we won the damn Olympic games and we're about to go to the world cup with the team who, who could win. Like we've all said, we'll be playing these games in protest. Those are the voices of Janine Becky and Christine St. Clair. Yeah. Canada's winning women's soccer team who are not so happy right now. And I don't know if we can blame them. Just a little, like Mayor Tory really sucked all the wind out of most news stories on Friday when he announced that he'd be resigning after an extramarital affair with a former staffer who was like half his age. And so I think this one, this story kind of went, un, uh, like it kind of flew under the radar, but I think it's something we need to talk about. So what happened on Friday is Canada's women's team are in Orlando. They're preparing for the upcoming She Believes Cup. And they're getting ready for uh, the World Cup. And they announce, you know what? We're going to stop. We're not going to play anything. Because they're not happy with Soccer Canada and the fact that they haven't come through with promises made. Saturday, the players reverse that strike because Soccer Canada says they're going to sue them. And they say they could collect millions in damages from players associations or individual players themselves. Here to break it down for us, Moshe Lander, who is a sports economist and senior lecturer at Concordia University, also friend of the Kelly Cotrera Show. Moshe, thanks so much for being here. Hello. I think this is a really big story. And unfortunately, I think it's not getting the attention it deserves because we're talking about women's sports here. I think you're completely right. And I think that that's always the way it is with women's sports is that they're always ignored. And what's particularly interesting in this case is that the women's team in Canada is the more successful team than the men's team. Yet it's the men's team that's been getting all of the accolades because they nearly showed up at the World Cup uh, a few months ago uh, and didn't perform particularly well. So let's break down what the women are unhappy about. What exactly is Soccer Canada doing to our women's team? It's really simple, Kelly. They're not getting paid commiserate with what they're doing. And uh, what's worse is that it's the standard old pay gap between men and women. And so uh, the men's team is being paid more uh, proportionately than what the women are. Uh, yet the women are the ones that are putting up the results. They're the ones that are generating the bigger gate revenues. They're the ones that are getting more exposure. Uh, and they're the ones that are being used in more promotional material. So they're not even fully capitalizing on their name, image, and likeness, which, of course, is a major issue in a lot of sports these days. And I understand, like, these are our winning, one of the most winning teams we have in Canada. They're heading to the World Cup. And not only have they pulled back... Uh, the the funding, but the the amount of funding that they've pulled back Soccer Canada from these women will not allow them to take um, a team of more than 20 people. And if that's the case, they can't train properly because you can't have an 11 on 11. That's that's exactly it. And so normally they would travel with, say, 28. uh, And we're not talking about like international travel. The the Women's World Cup uh, coming up later this year is going to be in Australia, New Zealand. This tournament is down in Orlando. So this is this is just a basic flight uh, within North America. And so they're, they're not even receiving the basics that they need uh, for, for simple travel. What's going to happen then when as the Olympic champions, uh, they're unable to practice properly. And it's almost like they're being set up to fail then uh, that if they can't compete properly, is this going to be uh, Canada soccer coming back and saying, well, that's why we weren't paying them properly or we weren't giving them the resources. It, it, it's almost like it, it's a setup. 
Did Soccer Canada not realize we were going to have a possibility of based on women really taking our men's team seriously? Eventually, they would get up to the similar level and uh, that they would have to spend money. Did they didn't they make proper deals with uh, sponsors and the like? No, they didn't. Uh, and that's part of the problem. And that's where the frustration lies. And so, you know, what you do now if you're Canada soccer is you basically play the men's team against the women's team, right? That uh, because we're stuck in a situation where we only have a limited amount of funding, then if the women want more, then the men have to give up what they've got. And it's almost like, uh, you know, standard sort of divide and conquer when you're dealing with labor negotiations here. And so, uh, you know, the, the women are completely justified in their position uh, of what they're asking for. But, uh, you know, this is this is often the case when you have these overarching uh, organizations that have men and women under their umbrella. The men seem to always get the, the greater portion of the resources. And then when the women come along and say, this isn't fair, um, then it's, well, you need to take away from the men, right? And mm-hmm. so it, it sets up a fight then that is almost impossible to win uh, because you're now going to, to run into this problem of, uh, your labor is divided. And if your labor is unified, uh, the men are going to be off the public radar for the next few years because there's not a World Cup cycle for them until 2026, and we generally don't pay attention. Yeah, and by the way, FIFA officially confirmed Canada's men's automatic 2026 World Cup qualification just yesterday. But that is, you know, ages away. We're talking about a Women's World Cup that's in less than six months, I believe. Um, how How do they rectify this? Because it would be really tough on morale. It is. And, and, you know, unfortunately, even, you know, outside of the World Cup cycle, while there is professional women's soccer here in North America based out of the U.S., uh, that doesn't really pay a lot of the bills to help them train sufficiently. Right. So it's one of those things that if they don't strike while the iron is hot right now and they have the attention of the country on them as they lead up to the World Cup, uh, if they get onto the other side of the World Cup without some sort of uh, adjusted pay and adjusted working conditions, then again, it's one of those things that we're probably not going to think about them either for three or four years until their next cycle comes around. So, you know, the the strategic move to make this stance now is because the eyes are off the men, the eyes are now turning towards them, and they need to make sure that they get a proper deal uh, while enough people are outraged to notice that, hey, this could have an impact. There's nothing that Canadians like more than winning world competitions. Uh, and if somehow that's being constrained, uh, they're, they're going to get public sentiment on their side. And, and that makes it a lot easier for them to try and negotiate with Canada soccer. Moisha, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't uh, one of the women actually retire during a press conference talking about uh, just how they just couldn't take it anymore? Yeah, it, it, it's unbelievable to watch the, the looks on their faces. They are, they are completely uh, frustrated and exhausted and it's distracting from what they're really supposed to be doing, which is, of course, playing and and playing at the highest level. And uh, I I think they're taking a a page out of the Americans who had a similar confrontation with their own organization. uh, And and the women actually had to sue for pay equity, which they ultimately ended up winning. I think that the Canadians are are probably going to have to follow suit. Yeah, I I would imagine that's the the course they're going to take, because when they wanted to strike, Soccer Canada said, you know what, we'll sue you. Oh, really? That's a possibility? Yeah, and and that quickly ended the strike, and and yeah. so they're they're now basically under the same sort of like work action that uh, any other sort of labor organization has when they're doing a wildcat strike. So, what does that entail? 
Uh, well, I mean, they're going to be forced to, to to play here, and now you have to compete with, uh, you know, you're being put into the into the field where you're not in the right frame of mind. If they don't do well, is that just something that's shrugged off, or is that going to be held against them? Uh, and if they do well, then is that going to give them any greater leverage? Because that's one competition that's now in the rearview mirror, and it's one leverage point that they've now lost out on negotiating. I was curious on the work action. So what would that look like? Would that look, uh, Moshe, like uh, we're not going to be doing any press conferences, we won't be doing any promotion of Soccer Canada in the future? Yeah, yeah, it'll be work to rule, just like anybody else when you're being forced back to work, right? You do whatever the bare minimum says in your contract and not one extra bit more. And so uh, you could easily imagine then that in all the hype leading up to uh, a Canadian soccer team that's expected to have success, uh, if they're invisible and they're not doing anything more than absolutely what's necessary, that's going to take a lot of wind out of the sails. And that involves corporate partners and networks that are going to be broadcasting the event and having a hard time gaining access.